Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The preseason came to an end last night for the Buffalo Sabres and on a high note with a 4-2 win over the Senators in Ottawa. Robin Leonard stopped all thir- he stopped 30 of 32 shots that he faced to earn his third one in the preseason in three games played. He's played three games now and he's looked like the puck wasn't going to get by him on any of those occasions. And that's a great thing to see from him. First two games in particular, you thought he was going to, nothing was going to get by him. And, and tonight I thought he was strong again. And that's, I guess, the one thing this preseason we've we've definitely seen that from our goaltender. That's head coach Dan Bilesma. Derek Grant scoring once again for the Sabres as he looks to earn a spot on the Buffalo roster. Sam Reinhart, Marcus Felino, and Evander Kane with the other three goals on the night. The Sabres will now have to cut the roster down to 23 before Thursday's season opener against the Montreal Canadiens. Face-off is at 7 o'clock on Thursday with pregame coverage beginning at 6 right here on your home of the Sabres, WGR Sports Radio, 550 around the NHL. The Oilers trading away former first overall pick Nail Yakupov to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for a prospect and a conditional pick. Edmonton also signing free agent defenseman Chris Russell to a one-year contract. To football, the Bills are off to Los Angeles today to get ready for the Rams tomorrow afternoon. Marcel Darius could make his season debut after serving his four-game suspension for violating the league's substance abuse policy. However, he is questionable after injuring his hamstring at practice this week. But if he does play, defensive coordinator Dennis Thurman is looking forward to getting one of his best weapons back on the field. Happy to have him back. He's an enormously talented individual. You know, he does a lot of things well. Plays the run well. He rushed the passer inside. He's in good enough shape to play. How many plays he'll I believe this team's a resilient group. I don't think there's any doubt. You know it's never a smooth road. You know, things happen in the course of a season. You know, I think we were more shocked by the way we started the season at 0-2 than we were how these last two games have gone. All right, that's Bill's head coach, Rex Ryan. Talking about their 0-2 start. Resilient bunch, as he puts it. Back to 2-2, facing off against the 3-1 LA Rams in the Coliseum. Tomorrow, 425 p.m., you can hear everything. The entire call, including pregame, halftime, postgame, right here on the radio home of the Bills, WGR Sports Radio 550. Okay, so uh, what I wanted to get into and what I've been excited uh, to really start to talk about is the Chad Kelly situation that took place yesterday at uh, Tift Field. If you're familiar uh, with Tift Field, it's right off of Tift Road, off the Skyway. Uh, it's a pretty small, you know, exclusive area for where time and place. Um, from what I've heard from a few uh, friends and a few people on Twitter is. Tymon has had a bit of a history of things like this, uh, a history of maybe 
being inappropriate on the field of play in their actions. And, uh, you know, uh, my whole point behind this is a very bad look for Chad Kelly. A very, very bad look. Yesterday on Twitter, Deadspin, ESPN, NFL.com. I, I, any, Brayton, am I missing any other? I mean, it, it quickly spread through the national realm after right. it, it got out when Tom Martin put out the original video. Since then, it's been the whole video, the play, the reaction right afterwards, the fights that broke out. I mean, it's, uh, it got national attention very quickly. And uh, up on ESPN.com, it's the third story on the you know, top stories of the week. Um, they've got a story up on ESPN, as I mentioned, and it goes into some of the reaction. Uh, Hugh Freeze, the coach for Ole Miss, has a statement on there as well. I'm not super thrilled with the statement that I saw from Hugh Freeze either. Uh, not a lot of accountability. And uh, it's something that I think goes across all of the NCAA. And, and right now you have Ole Miss, a team that is being investigated for NCAA violations against a couple of their student-athletes. And now you have a guy who has had a history of having issues when he comes back to Buffalo and when he's out. It, there's, a, there's a quote in here, too, from, from Chad's mom saying... He was just going on the field to make sure his his brother was okay, and you know he, he was just going out there to to, to make sure everything. I'm sorry, there the, it is. There are, isn't an excuse I can find or come up with for. I don't Chad. buy that, at I, all. and I don't either. I don't either. When you go out on the field and you're screaming and you look like you're about ready to throw down on somebody, that is not running out on the field concerned about your brother. That's running on the field, trying to protect your brother, which I guess I understand. But the thing is, you cannot, Can't. you absolutely cannot jump over the fence or find a way onto the field if you're in the stands or you're not on the sidelines. You cannot do that. Even if you're on the sidelines for the game, like if you get access to the sidelines for the game, you cannot go out on that field at all. I don't care if you went there four years, you were a scholar student, it doesn't matter. You do not take one step onto that field in any matter like that. He has a, a specific responsibility to not only his current collegiate team in Ole Miss. He has a responsibility to that community. He has a responsibility to St. Joe's High School to not enter that field of play. It's an embarrassment for him. It's an embarrassment for Ole Miss. It's an embarrassment for St. Joe's. It's an embarrassment for the family. He's got, like, as I mentioned, he's got a history of making poor decisions when he's angry. Now, I am, I'll be the first to admit, during, while I played the game, there were situations, there were times where I was unable to keep my composure on the field. There were times when it was easy for me to freak out and, and lose my cool and not be able to in a situation where I was going to make the best decisions. I was young. I was 16. I was 17 years old. Chad Kelly's uh, two years younger than I am. He's five, five, six years. Five. He's five years removed from high school. What is the best case scenario for Chad Kelly going onto the field of play? No, nothing. There's, there's, there's no benefit to it. He I can only stand to lose in that situation. It doesn't matter if you're going out there to protect your brother. It doesn't matter if you're going out there 
to check up on him. You can check up on him after the game. This is football, okay? Now, I don't, I'm not condoning anything that happened in that game. That is an embarrassment for both parties, for both teams, for both coaches, for Western New York football, for Monsignor Martin football in general. That's a joke. It's an embarrassment. They should be ashamed. Both programs should be suspended for the rest of the season. They should have no opportunity to play in the playoffs. Nothing like that can happen. There is no need for Buffalo police to have to be on the field to break up a fight between high school kids and there should be no way in god there should be no way in hell that there's a coach trying to block Harry Skull from doing his job to get the footage for the news that is a joke that coach should be suspended that coach should be fined he shouldn't coach again well i mean you can't you can't Put the That's death a penalty. joke. It's, it's almost like putting the death penalty if you spoke at that. But That's you a definitely, joke. You definitely have to come down some way. I don't know if it's suspending the players who are involved, which is probably Most going to team. happen. I th- I, right. You should suspend their season. for the re- Neither of them should be playoff eligible. They should suspend the season. Send a message if you're Western New York, if you're Monsignor Martin, that this kind of stuff does not fly. It won't fly. And if you do it, you are going to lose and you are going to be reprimanded hard. And we're not going to take it light on these. These kids need to realize, especially a lot of them that are going on mm-hmm. pre- potentially to play college football, especially guys like Chad Kelly, that it is not okay. It is not okay to do that in the game. It is not okay to lose your cool. It is not okay to start throwing punches. That what The film and the... Some of the stuff that Tom Martin, it was gold. It was such a terrific job by Tom Martin to get those, to get the footage that he got. It was embarrassing to watch some of the punches being thrown. People using their helmets as a weapon. This, to me, goes down as one of the biggest embarrassments in Western New York football history that I can, I've been around Western New York high school football for a long time. It is an embarrassment. I've been a part of situations that got out of hand that there was a fight or brawl on the field during my last year of Little League football. I was 15, 16 years old. It happened, and you know what? Sometimes that that line is crossed, and sometimes, you know, especially at that age, a fight is going to happen. And these are two programs, too, in, in Western New York football that are higher up there. Yes. Like, they're, they're some of the more these prestigious. These are big schools. How schools. can you, as an athletic director of either of those teams, how is you? How are you, as the director, the the director of Monsignor Martin, going to allow those two teams to ever play again? How can you trust that those kids can make the right decisions and not do what they showed, they displayed that they can do on the field of play? Well, how can you trust that now? Well, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a, a black eye for your program, but the thing is, is that you definitely have to make some sort of punishment here, Absolutely. whether it's suspending the coach and I mean even if it's just for one game I think that gets a message across saying this is completely unacceptable and you say one game but if this happens again if there's any sniff of this happening ever again I don't even care if you get up after a tackle and you get in someone's face you're pulled out of the game and you're done for the season I mean it's a that's the kind of thing that I would have to that I would do as an athletic director with I would suspend the players whoever was mainly involved I would do I mean, I would be heavily involved in this, and I would watch this video. I'd watch who was involved, what players, the coaches, because this got out of hand completely over the line. I mean, there's a certain line that you can cross while playing football that's 
you know, you could go borderline, but this was just a mile across that line. Like this was just ridiculous when you're going after players with with throwing punches, you know, using your helmets against each other. It reminds me of the brawl that happened in college football. I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was with the University of Miami. Um, oh, and Florida Atlantic. And Florida Atlantic. I mean, this game, I think it was at the end of the game or something like that. There was a guy that got, got attacked. Yeah, and, got it was, and people were stomping on each other. They were throwing helmets at each other, throwing punches. I mean, that's the kind ugly. of stuff in football that is completely unacceptable. And sets a bad example for kids exactly. like this that are seeing that as seeing that as, you know what, that's maybe it's not okay, but it's seeing it as something that guys do. And you know what? This is what we should be talking about. It should be about the two teams. Instead, it's about Chad Kelly running out onto the field. He, as I mentioned, has an obligation to his university to represent them in a way that is outstanding, in a way that is a gentleman, in a way that he comes across as a professional. He is every day interviewing to be a professional football player in the NFL every day. And you think now a a GM, a head coach, is going to say, you know what, this is, to me, this is Chad Kelly's third strike. To me, this is Chad Kelly's third strike. He gets kicked out of... Clemson. Clemson for being a hothead yep. and basically yelling at Dabo Sweeney in his face he gets kicked off. He has to get escorted off the field of play during spring ball for the team punting on fourth down while he was the quarterback there. He gets escorted out, kicked off the team, goes to Ole Miss, comes to Buffalo in the offseason, goes out to a bar, threatens the bouncer with automatic weapons. He threatens the bouncer with physical... like. He, to me, is a hothead that has now proven over the course of his young career that he can't be trusted when he's outside the lines of the state, outside the lines of the field, the playing field. And now what he's proven is that inside the playing field, inside those lines, he also makes bad decisions. And I understand and I can respect the fact that you saw your brother out there and you wanted to go out and make sure he was okay. You wanted to rally the troops, the guys to go over to defend him. And yes, do I think that ultimately that situation may be called for that team to defend your player? Absolutely. Maybe. Maybe okay. I can make a case. But what I'll say is in that situation, someone has to be, someone has to make the decision to better the situation. Someone has to make the decision to say, you know what? We're not going to lower ourselves to your level. You're going to play dirty. You're going to hit us out of bounds. You're going to stomp our quarterback. We're going to pull him out, and you're going to get the 15-yard penalty. You might get The game might get canceled and suspended and forfeited because you played dirty. Don't stoop to that level. Don't be that guy that can't keep his cool in a difficult situation and be the team that walks away victorious, not only on the scoreboard, but in life. And, and this is something that I don't think enough high school teams get, predi- they get preached, they get predicated on, is taking the high road. And it's difficult being a 15, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kid realizing the implications. But where it should be recognized is with Chad Kelly. He should recognize the situation, the levity of that situation that he is in and realize that he has more responsibility to bigger and better things that he cannot put himself in a situation to get on that football He's, field. He's a role model, and I understand this whole thing is being blown up because it is Chad Kelly running out onto the field for a high school game. That is a whole different thing. If it was a if it was a college game, of course he'd probably get a lot of flack. But he's a part of the game. He's a part of the team. Right. Here's the thing, though. 
with Chad Kelly, you're setting a precedent for the kids that are at the school that you went to for four years and you played some stellar football for. You have to be a role model, and that is not what is happening. We could talk about the game and, and how that, that whole thing just went out of control and the cancellation, and that's an embarrassment. It's even more of an embarrassment for Chad Kelly himself. He's going into his draft year for football. He was, I mean, people were talking like he's going to be a top 10 pick. Now they're going to see this happening and they're going to be, they're going to see that as this is a game you're not even playing. You, you haven't been to this school in three or four years and you're running out onto the field. Granted, it is because your brother got a late hit, but still at that point, you have to keep a better head. You cannot let the emotions get to you. You cannot just all of a sudden be like, oh my God, my brother got hit. I'm going to go out there and beat up whoever it is. You're not in football gear. You have a responsibility as a as somebody who's watching the game at the game, uh, not on the sidelines, but in the stands, to stay there and let the people on the field handle it. You cannot just take it into your own hands, especially in a football game. And I just want to tie this into you know, something similar. It's not like you're at a hockey game or you're at a baseball game or something like that. You're in the stands, and let's say that you have a relative down on the field, like a, a cousin or mm-hmm. a brother or something like that. And I'll, I'll use baseball because I was an umpire, and when I umpired baseball games, this is completely different, but I'm just tying this in. Yep. You wanted to have only people in the dugouts for each team that were in uniform or coaching. Anybody else that was in the game, you have to get out of the, you have to get out. And I would stop games right in the middle and I would tell them, hey, you cannot be in here. You have to get out. And then they would come back and I'd stop again and I'd say, you have to stay out. If you come back in again, then I'm going to throw you out of the game. You have to keep other aspects out of there. And, you know and, I'm just, and I'm just saying here is that if Chad Kelly was on the sidelines, I'd question why in the hell is he on the sidelines in the first place? He shouldn't be there. He's an alum. I get it. There's, there's coaches. There's players. There's staff that need to be on the sidelines. But, I mean, not even all the coaches are allowed on the sidelines. Some of them right. have to be up be in up the in press the box. box. Right. They have to be videoing up there. But the thing is, is that Chad Kelly, you cannot, you absolutely cannot go on the field, make a scene like you did yesterday. You have to have a bigger head, especially if you want to make the NFL. NFL scouts, NFL GMs are going to see this, and they're going to they are going to hammer on him hard. They're going to ask him during his his scouting com- like during the scouting combine and his interviews before the draft. Why did you do that? What made you think it was okay to run out on the field because it's my brother? That's not an excuse. No. That's, it's not well, an excuse at it's all. It's not an excuse that an NFL executive is going to take as a good one. If you're on hold, we'll get to you in one second. I wanted to make a good point, and, and I'm glad you brought up the umpiring point about having guys on the sidelines that necessarily shouldn't be there, alumni, what have you. I think Little League has it right. I coached in Little League for a few years, and I've, I played in Little League. And one of the things as being the offensive coordinator for the team and having the head coach be with me and having three or four or five coaches with one or two assistants, to be on the sidelines in a Little League Pop Warner game, you had to have your credentials, your coaching credentials. The only reason to be past the rope that keeps the spectators the spectators and the coaches and players the coaches and players was that pass or that jersey. That was it. Otherwise, you stay in the stands. You can say what you want from the stands. You can be a a, a coach from the stands. By, By all means, if you don't agree with my coaching, if you don't agree with what's going on in the game between the referees and the players... You can have that opinion from the sidelines, but the second that you get over that line, you go over that rope, you yourself have crossed a line, and to me, 
Maybe now high school teams have to start looking at it. And again, this is something that we do at Frontier. When I go to watch games, and I go to watch the homecoming game, and I go to one or two games a year at Frontier, I stand off on the track with my with the athletic director who used to be my head coach in football and a couple of the other alumni. And I'll tell you what, if a fight ever broke out between any of our younger siblings, between any of the guys that I previously coached that were you on that team, on I field. would never, never, I would never cross that exactly. white line, ever. Exactly. And I don't care. And for me, just being on that sidelines, if that was me and my little brother was on the field and that happened to my little brother, if I cross that line, I lose my job. Right. Exactly. If I don't if I don't get taken off in handcuffs, I lose I lose my job mm-hmm. for not having the right state of mind, for not having the head, for not having the resp- knowing that I have a responsibility to bigger things. Mm-hmm. And, thing. and that's really it. Is I don't think he understands the levity of the situation. I don't think he understands the responsibility that's on his shoulders. He's a young man. He's going to make mistakes. But when you start to have a pattern of mistakes like the ones that he's made. And they're all mistakes when he can't handle the pressure of a situation like that. He can't handle the emotions of a situation. There's no room for you to lead a team of grown men in the NFL. You have to be you have to be the one who has the composure in that situation. You have to be the one that that is above and beyond the guy setting the right example. And to me, it was a bad example to be set. Let's head out to the phones. We've got Jerry in Depew. Uh, Jerry, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Thanks for holding. Gentlemen, thanks a lot. Uh, good, very good topic. Uh, I did not see the video. Well, you read something in the paper, and it was all about uh, you know Kelly's nephew. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you, number one, was, was the game in control by the referees? And number two, was Chad Kelly, did he jump over the fence? And was he the first one? On the field? Uh, Jerry, to answer your question, uh, from what we were told by Buffalo News reporters that were there, he jumped over the fence. He was standing on the side of the field behind a fence. He jumped over the fence, ran onto the field of play. We, From what I've seen on ESPN.com, from, from notes from his mother, is that he was going out to make sure that his brother was okay. But he went in there looking as though he was ready to... To, to fight, throw down, to brawl. To throw down, exactly. And it doesn't matter if you're the first one over or you're the last one over. It doesn't matter. You're a spectator well, my, at that my point. My point is, who was in control of the situation? It, it should have been the referees, absolutely. I think the referees should have had control. But then after the late hit, because I mean, he was because his brother was running out of bounds, it looked like. It was. And it was a late hit out of bounds. He goes up against the fence, and his teammates came in. They started you know, pushing and shoving, but then... Everybody else started coming in, and the whole thing just got out of control really quickly. Nobody was able to get in there. Nobody was able to break stuff up, and things just got really out of control really fast. And, Jerry, there's a video. uh, It's on Twitter. It's on WKBW.com as well, and I'm thinking we should probably have something up on our website shortly about that too. Um, But the video shows, and, and unfortunately it cuts away right after he's pushed out of bounds up against the fence. The rumor is, and what Joe Marguccio, who was on Inside High School Sports, who was also there yesterday, said that at that point when he got pushed out of bounds into the Timon bench, that Timon players at that point started stomping and started punching Chad, uh, his brother, Chad Kelly's brother while he was down on the ground. However, Casey Kelly that would have been. However, I understand his concern for his brother at that point. 
But again, I, I I don't see any scenario because you didn't see any parents jump out on the field. I mean, that to me is the the most damning of it all. You have parents who are trying to protect their kids out there. None of them jumped on the field of play to go defend their kid, and and that's really what you know no, you don't want to see. Yeah, but you have you weren't there and you can't see it, but you're chastising, and I honestly can't believe if your sibling was there and the opposition team, and you played football with stomping on them, you're just going to stand there when nobody's doing it? It's in the field of play. You, it is not my duty as a spectator to jump on that field of play. I'm that, saying as a sibling. I, I understand that. And listen, I played I played the game, and, I, and I've been in Casey Kelly's position before. I've been late hit, out of bounds. I've been involved in that kind of scrum. I've been, And the thing is, is someone has to be the bigger man. And if you want to go jump on the field of play to defend your brother, you better not be a Division One quarterback who has the entire school, a community that basically is on his. He has so much responsibility, Jerry, that it is negligent. It is foolish. It's boneheaded. It is reprehensible for you to go onto the field of play. What what is you accomplished by going on the field, Jerry? What is he what is he gonna do? Is he gonna go fight a high school kid to defend his brother? It doesn't matter, it Jerry. It doesn't matter, Jerry. It does Jerry. not matter. It if you go matter. on the field of play, you are crossing a line, you're crossing a boundary that you yourself as a player in a game know can't be crossed. And I don't care if it's your dad, if it's your brother, this is high school sports. And to hold this to hold these people accountable, you can't have guys jumping on the field of play to defend their brother, sister, cousin. It doesn't matter. That is the type of thing that is repre- it, it's just it is unfathomable to me that there are people that are going to sit here and say, "Oh, your brother and sister." If that's the case, you haven't played the game, and you know what? I don't have a brother or a sister in the game, but you know what? I would know better to never cross that line. And here's another thing. It, similar, similar conversation. What if it's, it's a peewee game? You're a dad in the stands, and your kid gets hit late or something like that. You cannot run out onto the field like that. To defend your kid? To defend your kid, exactly. It's the same situation. It's the exact same situation. If you do that, you're thrown out of the game, and most likely you're going to be arrested. arrested. Yeah. There's just no there's no questioning that. It doesn't matter if it's your sibling. I get it. it you're going to get mad. You're going to be riled up. You want to go out there, and you want to take action, but you cannot as a spectator. You absolutely can't as a spectator. You have to stand by. You have to wait, and that it's it's just it is what it is. It, it is and you're it is. put exactly. in a difficult position. You want to be able to go out there, Jerry. Again, thank you for your call. I appreciate your opinion. Uh, I'm not trying to tell you you're wrong. I just think the levity of the situation the the there is so much to talk about here, and that's why I wanted to bring it up today, and that's why I think it's a great topic. But in no circumstance. Can I make it okay for someone to join the field of play when there are minors in the situation, when there are high school players in the situation? And it's just it's 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 unfortunate where we've gotten. 803-0551-888-550-2550. We'll continue taking your calls next. Uh, this is uh, Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson, Nate Geary here. This is WGR. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm your host, Nate Erie, Brayden Wilson, along with me, Joe DiBiase, on the board, mixing it up here for us. We've had a pretty 
interesting conversation this morning um, thus far about the incident that happened at the Time in St. Joe's game yesterday involving Chad Kelly, uh, local quarterback and controversial uh, figure in uh, yeah it's it's quite contra- I mean it's th- the whole situation is uh, I, I just don't know I mean I was not at the game so I mean I can hear all the stories I can read all the reports I can hear from others saying like what happened but you know it's tough but knowing what I do know the fact that this happened you just you cannot you cannot run out on the field if you're a spectator. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, basketball. Most of the time, if you do that, you will be thrown out of the game, escorted out into the parking lot, and you will be asked to leave. It happens. Baseball. I umpired baseball for six years. I know what it's like. I've thrown parents out of games. I've thrown coaches out of games. It happens. If they go out onto the field, you throw them out. Unless it's like a injury situation and it's serious, then, you, then you'd then you obviously be allowed on the field. But if you go out there to argue a call, if you go out there because, I don't know, a kid got thrown at when he's pitched, you throw the parent out of the game and you do not start that game up again until that parent has is out of the ballpark. They have to leave. Let's head back out to the phones where we've got Tony in Buffalo who's been waiting patiently. Tony, uh, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Yeah, I just wanted to tell you guys. I mean, I love the high school show, and I love I like your show afterwards. But I don't. My time is, and I usually I, I miss parts of it. But I think you guys are a little seem a little emotionally involved in this. Just just from the standpoint that I mean, I must have heard ten to fifteen times saying that he he should have been arrested. I have never seen anyone arrested at a high school game, nor have I ever read about anybody being arrested. At well, well, here's the thing, Tony. The, the thing is, is that obviously he didn't throw any punches. He wasn't doing anything. He just ran out on the field. We're not saying that he should have been arrested. And it, it I want to clarify, that, see, we, ha- we didn't say that he should have been arrested. What we said was in that situation, if a parent or a player runs into the field of play during that sort of situation, normally they would be arrested. If that was a parent running onto the field. Now, I know we're not talking about the same age group here, but if your son is playing in a Little League hockey game and he gets cheap-shotted and there's a fight on the, on the ice, you what is, what is your role in that situation running onto the field of play? What is your role as a parent there? That, that's not my question. No, I, I, I know, but that, that's my question to you. At a high school football game. I played in high school, Tony, and I'll tell you this. Heard of anybody being arrested? It's because it doesn't usually. It's because happen. it doesn't happen. That's because why. usually teams and facilities Does they have happen. people there. Hold on, Tony. Hold on. They have people there. They have people to to be there to keep everybody off the field. They usually have people in a situation like that when things get out of control, chaos happens. That's when stuff like this happens. You don't usually see this happen, but like if Chad Kelly would have went out there and started throwing punches or started stomping or throwing helmets or something like that, then that's a that's something that people can press charges on and you should be arrested for. We're not saying that Chad Kelly should have been arrested in this case because he didn't, and but the thing is he ran onto the field. That is not what his obligation is. Been arrested, and I have never seen anyone arrested. All right, Tony. I I I I understand the point that you're trying to make, but I I really don't understand the context of it because it doesn't matter whether or not people have been arrested in a high school game before. The point is, is he had an obligation to be the smarter, more responsible person there, and he 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 decided to take that off. He decided to forget his obligation and join the field of play. Mike in Albany, you're on Sports Talk Saturday, Mike. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I certainly sympathize with Jerry when he brings up the issue of uh, seeing a family member in right. danger, but mm-hmm. one, 
He represents a famous family, Mm -hmm. represents Buffalo, he represents Old Miss. Two, there was law enforcement at the game. You do not interfere with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You don't make their job harder. Three, what if he does get into an altercation and he hits a player wearing a helmet? What happens to his hand? Four, and I say this from being a former third-degree black belt and having taught karate for more than ten years, you may be 6'2", you may be over 200 pounds, but you never know what another person has. There could be somebody bigger and stronger than you. There could be somebody smaller than you that knows how to defend himself. And God forbid, you never know who's carrying what at a game. So, all in all, just very, very, very disappointing for Chad. I thought he had grown up since his days as Clemson. Obviously, he still has a temper, and obviously this is something that could be very detrimental to his future. Thanks a lot for the opportunity to chime in, guys. It's very much appreciated. Yes, Mike, thank you thank for you. your comments. Uh, and and you're, I think you're absolutely 100% right. Um, this is something that I think ultimately... Uh, everything you said I agree with, Mike. Uh, and, and, and you're right. What if, for whatever reason... He is injured in this whole thing, and he hurts his throwing hand, <laughs> or he jumps over that fence and, and jumps and puts too much weight on one leg and he tears his ACL. Now, these are just ridiculous things to say, but what I'm saying is, is there's just so much to lose if you're Chad Kelly, and almost nothing, almost nothing to gain from this situation. And again, it's, it is a shame that we have to be talking about this on a Saturday when you've got the Bills coming up, in a, and, and it, it, it is. But it has to be addressed because there is so much going on, and uh, it's un, it, like I said, it is unfortunate. But, um, again, it is, it is what it is. Let's head out to the phones again where we've got Scott. Scott, you're on Sports Talk Saturday. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going well. Yourself? Uh, pretty good. Um, I just have a couple questions for you before I, you know, I start talking. One, have you guys, yeah, I know you keep talking about how you played sports in high school. Have you guys ever actually played a game at Tiffield that time in? I have played a Little League game. I never played a high school game there. Okay. I'm going to preface this. My younger brother um, is on the St. Joe's football team. He was at the game last night. He was on the field when the play happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with what happened wasn't that it was a late hit. It was the fact that right. weren't there, obviously. It was the fact that Casey Kelly was on the ground with his helmet off getting kicked and punched by mm-hmm. the entire bench of the Timon. And anybody who went to St. Joe's or Canisius or any private school that play, has played at TIFF, has played Timon, knows that this is a regular occurrence at TIFF. This is a regular occurrence with Timon. It is what it is. That being said, the issue is not about Chad. You guys are the people that are making it about Chad. The story should be about Timon St. Joe's. The fact, if it was me, if my younger brother was getting hurt like that and I ran onto the field, would you be talking about me, some random guy? No, but you don't play for Division One school. You're, you don't have yes. the type of platform that Chad Kelly has, and that's the point about this. You're right. We're making this about Chad Kelly, but he you, made this about Chad Kelly, not us. Chad Kelly put himself in the spotlight by putting himself out there to be ridiculed and be criticized. And, Scott, I understand your point, and, and it is what it is, but it's not our fault that he's made himself part of the story. It's his fault he made himself part of the story. But I want to switch gears a little bit about some more college football, except college football around here. UB has their homecoming game today. Now we'll bring in Paul Peck. Paul is the play-by-play announcer for the UB Bulls. Paul, it is good to have you on. How are you today? 
I'm doing great. It's a good day for football. Looks like the rain is cleared and uh, weather's up good up here in Amherst. And uh, it's good to be talking about actual football. I know. I hear that. And I mean, finally, you know, I was last week was a little bit of a letdown with Boston College. UB lost thirty-five to three, but. I have been admiring the play of this young quarterback for UB and the size and the ability that he brings. Talk a little bit about so far in this season. Obviously, there's going to be some growing pains. He's a young man. But what have you seen so far from this young quarterback and where he might help this program continue to grow? Well, a lot of raw talent. You know, and, and you, you hit on a couple of points. I mean, Tyree Jackson is at 6'7", 245 pounds, big arm run, um, but he plays at times like a redshirt freshman who's going to be playing today in his fifth uh, college football game, and, and some of it is the level of competition. Obviously, last week when UB played BC, they were the number one, uh, they were the number six defense in the country that wound up being the number one defense in the country until Clemson handled them last night, but obviously Tyree struggled there, and there's going to be ups and downs, and there's going to be some games where he has the ability to do a lot of things with his arms and his legs. And then there's going to be some games where he gets bottled up. And I think now that the Bulls are making their way in the Mid-American Conference play, I think we're going to start to see some more progress and some more highlight moments from Tyree. Yeah, I mean, I know now that we head into MAC play and Coach Leipold you know, has, has alluded to this, you know, now, even though they're 1-3 out of conference, they head into a conference schedule with Kent State today. At, in UB or at, in in Amherst at UB Stadium, they're basically zero zero. Paul, am I right? Like they have the opportunity Absolutely. now to really do what they need to do to get back into bowl contention. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a bit of the the anomaly of what of what playing in a conference like this is that it depends on how you're going to schedule your non conference games. Who are you going to play? It's going to have a big impact on your record. Most of the Mid American Conference teams are. Two and two, one and three, you know, uh, that's just the nature of it. So, yes, in a lot of ways, everything that happened the last four games is kind of meaningless. Um, as long as you did some good things and gained some momentum and situated yourself for the conference play. And as it turns out, at the moment, the MAC East Division seems to be really up for grabs. The preseason favorite to win, Bowling Green has struggled. So, Teams like UB and everybody else in the conference has to look at it and say, boy, if we can get our games going in the right direction, we should be able to do some damage. Paul, you know, you bring up an interesting point about their out-of-conference schedule. Do you think, I mean, across the country, that if UB is able to kind of run this East Conference, the East Division in the MAC, and really make some hay in this division, that maybe they're going to gain a little bit of respect for playing a good out-of-conference schedule? I mean, you see some of these big, you know, Power 5 conference schools basically playing patsies for their out-of-conference games. I mean, you can look to teams like Iowa, Missouri. They play no one, and then when they get to, you know, conference play... It doesn't seem as impressive. So even though their schedule is one and three, if they're able to run the table or lose one in the MAC, do you think that gives them a little bit of leverage with the media and the polling system as far as they played a difficult out of conference schedule? Well, it, it can at times. I don't know what that 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 it's the priority for most Mid American Conference teams. You know, I mean, you look at Kent State, UB's opponent today. They played Penn State and Alabama, and and as expected, weren't very competitive in either game. Uh, you look at a Western Michigan, which is now ranked 25th in the coaches' poll, is undefeated. They already have wins over Northwestern and Illinois. So that's impressive. Two Big Ten teams, albeit uh, bottom half Big Ten teams. I think what, what UV has done here is gotten away from loading up on a lot of big-name opponents and kind of getting their butts kicked 
and playing more of the Nevadas and the Florida Atlantics and teams that are, are non-Power 5 teams that if you have a good team, you can be competitive and you can add some wins and you can go into the Mid-American Conference schedule with a 3-1 and one record, which is a nice cushion to have, uh, particularly if the goal is always bowl eligibility. Paul Pack, play-by-play man for the UB Bulls right here on the AT&T hotline with us right now. Paul, uh, aside from the Army game where, where they came away with a really nice, impressive win over Army, the, the offense has, has seemed to have struggled to find ways to put up points on the board. What do you think that they need to do in order to improve on offense to be able to put more points on the board? Well, it, it, some of it is is getting guys more comfortable, a lot of new players on offense, uh, a bunch of new offensive linemen, new wide receivers, uh, obviously a new quarterback. That's had a lot to do with it. Uh, the competition level, as I mentioned, you know, BC was a top 10 defense last week. So, um, so that's all part of it. But I think what I would like to see is them get back to running the ball very well. Their strength is in their running backs with Jordan Johnson. Uh, and I'd like to see Tyree run the ball a little more because in college football now, Running quarterbacks are, are the X factor. They're the they can be the dominant weapon uh, for a college football team. So I'd like to see Tyree run the ball a little bit, and I think the passing game is going to be a work in progress. I just you know by nature of some new wide receivers and by nature of Jackson sort of learning his way through it, uh, I would assume and, I, and my expectations are it's going to take a little longer for the passing game to get there than maybe the running game will. All right, Paul, today's homecoming, so what is kind of going around uh, on campus, and uh, where can folks listen to the game if, they're, uh, if, they're, if they want to come in and listen to, uh, to the first MAC game of the year? Well, listen-wise, we're uh, a pregame show on, on the ESPN 1520 starts at 2.30, kickoff is 3.30. Uh, the Eddie Money concert here over in Stampede Square uh, gets going at uh, 1.30, and there's a bunch of people I can see over there now starting to – congregating in Stampede Square. Obviously, Eddie Money is, uh, for those of us a little more mature, is a uh, good classic rocker that we remember all of his songs. So there should be a nice crowd for that. And obviously, there's homecoming festivities. The Bulls are going to honor their 1996 team that won eight games uh, and sent uh, five players to the NFL. So they're part of the festivities here as well, too. And, And it's homecoming, which always brings back a lot of alums always has that cool kind of a feel. So, uh, like I said, it's a little breezy out of here, but it looks like the rain is gone. So the Bills are on the road this weekend. It's a it's a good chance if you want to go see some football to head on out. And if I'm if I'm correct here, Paul, it's also one Buffalo Day at the game. Correct? That is correct. What's Thank going you on for the reminder? Yeah, what's going Thurman on there Thomas with that? Is, Thurman Thomas is doing the coin toss, uh, and then uh, Billy Buffalo and and Sabretooth are here. So there's some giveaways and some events tied into one Buffalo Day as well too. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm losing track of how much stuff is going on today. <laughs> All right, Paul. Along, re- with a fo- along with a football game. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, there's also a football game, too. Hey, Paul, we appreciate you taking out the time before pregame starts. Have a good uh, pregame show and a good game, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon after a UB win to get them to 2-3. and three. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Paul Peck there, play-by-play announcer for UB. You can hear, as he mentioned, pregame starts on our sister station, ESPN 1520 at 2.30. Kickoff, 3.30. As I mentioned, you can listen to all of that on ESPN 1520. So 803-0551, 888-550-2550. We will transition a little bit into the realm of hockey when we come back. 
Um, I will preview that with Brayton. And then Brayton takes over from 1 to 2 to uh, to really kind of dive into the regular season, which is starting next Thursday. Also, Joe Yurden from NHL.com, Sabres correspondent, will be joining me at 1.30. Nice. And uh, so that will be exciting. Uh, I appreciate everyone that uh, that came in and gave us their opinions on the Chad Kelly situation. Uh, it was a good conversation to have. Uh, and ultimately... When we come down to this, we'll we'll give our, our final thoughts um, on the next segment as well. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson and Nate Geary here. You're listening to WGR. Happy to have him back. He's an enormously talented individual. You know, he does a lot of things well. Plays the run well. He rushed the passer inside. He's in good enough shape to play. How many plays he'll get on Sunday, we're not sure. But we're expecting him to go out and perform at a high level. And we'll see. Bills defensive coordinator Dennis Thurman there talking about Marcel Darius making his return from suspension. Okay, uh, me and Brayton wanted to close off our thoughts on everything that we were talking about for the last hour before he walks in, gets into hockey a little bit here. And and I think we wanted to also clarify a little bit. Tom Martin tweeted out as well. We wanted to clarify that neither Casey or Chad Kelly were involved in any of the fighting. There was no punches thrown by either of them. Just Chad Kelly came onto the field and was restrained. Right, and, and Tom says both Kelly brothers did not start or participate in the fight, and Chad just ran onto the field but did not fight. But the, but the thing is is that he ran onto the field. That's, that's one thing is running onto the field. That's not what he should be doing as a bystander. But to defend him because of, well, it's his brother. If you see the video, if you see how he's reacting, he's not going out there to his brother. He's yelling and having to be restrained by other people that are on the field. Not only that, but if he was out there, he'd be going to his brother, grabbing him, pulling him out of there, and if he was responsible. But he's yelling. He's trying to get around the people that are restraining him, holding him back. That is not acceptable. You have to have a better head than that. You have to have a better mentality than that. But... Chad Kelly goes out there, does what he does, and that is such a terrible look, and that is why we've been so, we've been just ripping this apart, because yeah. that's what is happening, and it's not acceptable to do that. And 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 from whatever, I forget which caller called in and said, you know, we're making this about Chad Kelly, and it's I really it, should I be about... I think it was Jerry, and... I don't know, I think it was, I think, I'm not sure. I, I can't I, I remember know, who it was, right, but, but... either way... We've had a lot of... Um, I'm going to tell people. you this. If there was a fight between Timon and St. Joe's, Deadspin... ESPN, none of those people would be having videos of it on their on their platforms. So I didn't make this about Chad Kelly. Brayton didn't make this about Chad Kelly. ESPN didn't make this about Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly made this whole about situation him. about him. And whether or not he threw a punch or started the fight or, or what have you, and, and you take it back to a parent, and, and you, you, have to, you have to look at it like this. This is how you look at it objectively. Is I have nothing against Chad Kelly. I think he's a hell of a football player. I and, and I tweeted it yesterday. He's got he has four times the talent. He's I, I had a quarter of the talent that Chad Kelly had. I wish that I had the talent that Chad Kelly had. I would have I'd be still playing football. I'd been playing football a lot longer, and I would have went. I would have done other things with my career. But I had three times the brain and three times the smarts. And say what you know. You can take what you want from that, but you know what? At the end of the day, if he would have put himself in a better situation. We wouldn't be talking about him. We wouldn't be talking about the time in St. Joe's fight. Why would we have to anything to talk about? He made this about him, and it's not my fault that he did that. It's not ESPN's fault that he did that. It's his fault for putting himself in the situation, and I'm sorry. 
I, I like Ole Miss, but Hugh Freeze coming out and saying I probably would do it if that were my family too is grossly negligent on your part as the leader of a program. You need to come out and you need to say, yes, he acknowledged that he spoke with Chad and he should have he apologized and should have handled the situation differently, but don't. I understand you're trying to defend your player, your your guy, but you people are now looking to you, the face of the program, and you just gave him an excuse. You would do the same thing if that was your family. Let me tell you, Freeze, if you would have done that, this, if you were, that was your family, <laughs> the story would be about you too. It wouldn't be about Chad. It would be about you. And that would look even worse for, for a guy who's supposed to be running a program that he's supposed to be controlling and, and, and leading a group of men. And ultimately, that goes to the same here. Is I'm not saying anything that no professional general manager, president, owner of a team isn't also discussing with their front office guys right now, thinking of that where at one, thought, one point thought that Chad Kelly could lead their franchise. Now they look at this situation and they see exactly what I'm seeing is a guy that can't handle that situation. He can't be put in an emotional situation and expect to make the right decision. And at the end of the day, if you're going to lead a franchise and you're going to be a quarterback for an NFL team, that's what you need to do. You need to handle situations with class, with dignity, and he did neither of those things. So I'm going to hand this over to Brayton. Brayton's going to handle this for the for the next hour. He's going to get some hockey talk. Joe Yurden's going to come on and, and spit some hockey. It's hockey season now. And, and in a week on Thursday... They'll be at home against Montreal, so I know I'll be watching for that. And uh, you can listen all season long. We'll carry almost, I, th- I think, every every Sabres game right here on the radio, home of the Sabres, WGR Sports Radio 550. So Brayton comes up next. Uh, Joe DiBiase is on the board for me. I'm signing off. I will speak to you next week. I will be producing for sale as he comes back for the home game. So uh, for, for me and for Brayton and Joe DiBiase, thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion